Uh, good morning, good morning. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Historian Speaks podcast. Uh, historianspeaks.org is a web platform devoted to all things related to contemporary Black America. We have published uh, more than 120 blogs, informational blogs, interviews, and other material related to contemporary African-American issues and history, culture, heritage, social, political, and economic events. We have covered the pandemic since March. We have been very active in following the protest and of course, looking at every aspect of contemporary Black America in 2020. We're pleased today to have with us our weekly um, guest, uh, our assistant editor uh, at Historian Speaks, uh, Ms. Kashanta Drake. Uh, Ms. Drake, would you uh, introduce yourself? Yes. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Kishanta Drake. I'm an assistant at historianspeaks.org. I'm also a graduate student at uh, Michigan State University, where I uh, study English Lit. Okay, very good. Thanks for being with us today. And now we're at the end of uh, November, and we are uh, we want to today. We want to talk a little bit about some of the work that we've been doing here at historianspeaks.org. Talk a little bit about some of the topics that we've covered and the blogs that we've done, just to give you some sense of the kind of work that we're doing and the sorts of issues that are on the minds of African Americans in 2020. So um, uh, we'll start just by kind of thinking about some of the articles that we've done thus far. Uh, this week, we've uh, published um, a piece on Conti Cullen, the Harlem Renaissance poet, and then George Washington Carver. Uh, we've done work uh, in our People of Color series, uh, People of Color and COVID-19. Uh, we've done a piece on Native Americans and Asian Americans. We've also done a piece on uh, HBCUs. Uh, and then, of course, uh, also a piece on uh, Kabbalah Harris and then a piece on SARS. So, you know, we, we could just sort of jump in here. And we've done uh, some work also on uh, uh, two pieces on trans women at the beginning of the month, uh, and then a piece on Jacqueline Woodson, this recent recipient of the um, MacArthur Award. And then, of course, we've also done uh, work on uh, Hoodoo Heritage Month and Geechee Gullah Month last month. And so uh, we might talk about uh, some of those pieces in terms of um, the way in which they present uh, particular aspects of contemporary African-American life. And so, um, Ms. Drake, why don't you start us out uh, with uh, a uh, discussion of, of your work. You've done uh, some, a piece on Daniel Prudy uh, last month and then uh, a, a piece on uh, Hoodoo Heritage Month and Geechee Gullah uh, Heritage Month, and then uh, the artistry of uh, Jacqueline Woodson. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, so if you could just talk a little bit about uh, your work and what you, what you think it, what it tells us about uh, the African-American condition and the African-American life and why you think uh, that work uh, is important. Okay. Um, 
So um, I did a piece on uh, Gullah Geechee Heritage Month. Um, I thought that was important because not a lot of people know um, about Gullah Geechee Heritage Month. And I thought that um, it's important to kind of um, spread the word about Gullah Geechee Heritage Month. And along with Gullah Geechee Heritage Month, I wanted to spread the word about Hoodoo Heritage Month. Um, I find that a lot of people are... um, are interested in um, spirituality versus religion now. So a lot of people are um, turning away from religion. They're going, uh, they're leaning towards uh, spirituality. And I thought that it would be useful to um, do an informational blog on uh, Hoodoo Heritage Month where people can get information about, you know, what is Hoodoo, um, what is Hoodoo Heritage Month, they can um, listen to podcasts about what is Hoodoo and Hoodoo Heritage Month and how people celebrate um, Hoodoo Heritage Month. Okay, and so so and so, what is Hoodoo and what is uh, Geechee Gullah? I mean, why? I mean, what what are those things? And then why would people? Why should people be interested in them? So Hoodoo is um, basically um, it's uh, an African American um, spiritual system. Um, I wouldn't say it, um, it's a religion. Most people call it a lifestyle. Um, hoodoo is um, it's it's a, a sort of spirituality that came over um, that most uh, came over basically with slavery. Like it um, originated from uh, like African voodoo, and um, it's it has a lot of uh, mixed elements. Um, you have some of uh, the Native American spirituality also has um, associations with the uh, Catholic Church. Um, so different elements uh, make up hoodoo itself, but um, it's a African-American based uh, spiritual system. Um, as far as Gullah Geechee um, goes and the heritage of Gullah Geechee, um, when we're speaking about um, Gullah Geechee, we're speaking about um, the Gullah Geechee people that reside in um, the islands of uh, Hilton Head, uh, St. John, those uh, islands over in like South Carolina, um, Georgia, and Florida. Okay. Um, So that's um, Gullah Geechee. Um, Okay. And um, similar to Hoodoo, um, Gullah Geechee is very um, African-based. when speaking about the Gullah Geechee people, they were able to um, keep some of their um, African j- traditions and they were able to um, keep those traditions going um, generation uh, from generation to generation, which um, I, f- I find very fascinating, very interesting. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's Gullah Geechee and um, that's Hoodoo. And as far as my Jacqueline um, Woodson piece, um, I find that um, very fascinating. Um, I find her very fascinating. Um, her work, her just her books in general, um, very fascinating. Um, she won the MacArthur Award, which um, which is also known as like the Genius Award. And um, one thing that's interesting about her work is that she writes children books that are centered around, that centers um, Black children. 
which I feel is very important because pre, uh, representation is really important when it comes to um, younger children. Um, children want to um, read books where, you know, they they can see themselves as, as the main character. So I, I think that's very important. Um, um, Woods and herself grew up um, during um, a really um, hectic time um, in the 1960s. Um, so, and she's from Columbus, Ohio. Um, so she's, um, she's very connected to her roots in South Carolina. Um, she's, she's also, um, she also has won many awards, um, especially for her books, um, Each Kindness, which is a, a, a children's book, and also her book, her um actually her autobiography um brown um girl dreaming um was really interesting um so yeah and most of her inspiration she says comes from tony Mo- uh tony morrison uh nikki giovanni and um james baldwin so she's really um uh, an interesting woman and i wanted to uh, share her story um because um uh, she's has really impacted the um black culture in a major way Okay. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So, so all these things I think are important and that's just precisely what we're trying to do at historianspeaks.org. Uh, identify topics, uh, subjects, and issues that are important and relevant to contemporary African-American life, uh, giving you some of the things that you might see uh, in the news, but also more importantly, uh, to alert you to things that you don't see in, uh, in the mainstream media. And so we are trying to give you the widest swath of the black experience that we can. And so one of the things that we, we try to do here and as uh, Ms. Drake has uh, so ably laid out is that um, we're really looking at a wide variety of folks, literary figures, um, <clears throat> social political <clears throat> issues, uh, the pandemic and a whole host of other things that really give you um, a, an understanding of how all of these issues impact uh, African-American life. And so in terms of uh, the breadth of the discussions that we're having here, of course, we've done uh, two pieces this month all in our All Black Lives Matters series, which looks at the experience of Black trans people uh, in the United States. And so we, we did two pieces, uh, one uh, uh, by uh, Camilla uh, Harris, which is, uh, they said it was because I'm trans. So that was our first uh, poem. Uh, that we published, and so we we're very proud of that. Uh, and then we did another piece, an interview with Michaela Robinson, uh, looking at her experiences as a non-binary uh, gay male. And so she talked about um, her experiences and uh, some of the things that her activism is an HIV navigator. We featured two pieces this summer to start uh, the All Black Lives Matter um, series, uh, one from uh, Bianca Debonair, who's, who's a well-known uh, uh, drag performer and also an uh, HIV navigator in Columbus, Ohio for Equitous Health. And then uh, Jamie Lynn Armstrong is also an HIV navigator in Boston and has been very active in the trans community there for about 10 years. Uh, so this is an opportunity to kind of respond to uh, and talk about um, uh, all Black lives, and of course, uh, the trans community is a very important part of our 
of the Black community. And so we have been highlighting their work and their interesting contributions to, uh, to, to Black life. And so that's been one of the things that we've been doing fairly consistently uh, since the summer. We have all also been uh, active in our African Americans and COVID-19 uh, series. So we have 22, um, 22 uh, informational blogs that we've published um, and what they attempt to do, informational blogs are essentially set up to provide uh, information about recent news coverage on a particular issue. And so we've been looking very seriously, obviously, at um, of the impact of COVID-19 on African-American populations. And we know that uh, the pandemic has had a tremendous impact on uh, the Black community. And so uh, we have been documenting that since uh, March 14th, actually our first article about African-Americans and the pandemic, first blog came out on the 14th of March. So right as the pandemic began, uh, and it was actually a comparison between uh, the pandemic of 1918-20, uh, influenza, what was called a Spanish flu or influenza outbreak, uh, to the uh, coronavirus uh, pandemic of 1919-1920. Uh, so um, this has been a very interesting project. And again, uh, in terms of one of the measures, the, uh, the uh, influenza uh, outbreak or the Spanish flu killed uh, 675,000 Americans, and then it killed between 20 and 40 million people worldwide. So we, our numbers are rising. Uh, and again, we're, we're certainly on track be at about 300,000. Whether we'll get to the 600,000 number, I'm not sure, but uh, we're certainly on track to get to 300 or 400,000 in terms of the in terms of the death. So that's been a real uh, challenge, but we have been covering that. And so you can look at those 22 installments, 22 informational blogs, and it'll give you all of the articles that have been published, not all, but most in the popular press and in some specialized journals from March through, um, through uh, November, and then of course now we're going into December. So we've provided pretty comprehensive uh, coverage and you can look at those, uh, the informational blogs and then um, they're hyperlinked. So you can go ahead and click on uh, the articles and you can actually read those articles for yourself. So it's a great informational source uh, for persons who are interested in that project. Uh, subsequently, we've started another series related to COVID-19, and that's called People of Color in COVID-19. And so we've done installments for Asian Americans and uh, Native Americans uh, and um, uh, we're also subsequently going to do uh, installments for uh, Hispanic Americans, but some of the Hispanic American material is always a Latinx or Latino material is already uh, included, some of it's included in our uh, African Americans and COVID-19 series. Well, we've gotten uh, about five, we've done about four to five pieces in the new series, People of Color and COVID-19. And we've been trying to really cover uh, some of the things that have been happening to people of color. So with Asian Americans, obviously we've been looking at this uh, anti-Asian bias, the rise in discriminatory treatment and racist behavior of course, we know that uh, President Trump has been calling uh, COVID-19 the China 
uh, virus, the Wuhan virus. And so he's been using all sorts of derogatory uh, terms uh, trying to suggest that the virus, of course, originated in China, which is false. And so that has caused a great deal of stigmatization and discrimination and outright racist attacks against Asian Americans across the country. And so we have uh, documented uh, some of those things. And so our latest piece on November the 22nd uh, talks about um, people of color and um, COVID-19, Asian Americans. And so we have a picture of a woman, an Asian American woman who says, uh, hashtag this is America, hashtag all Americans, hashtag be cool to Asians, hashtag racism is a virus, hashtag hate is a virus, hashtag I am not a virus. And so um, that's a really important uh, discussion there. So that's our, our lead picture mm. for um, people of color uh, and, and COVID-19 Asian Americans. Um, we've also done uh, work on uh, Native Americans. So uh, uh, a week ago, uh, there, were, um, there was a three-week shutdown in Navajo Nation because of the um, high rates of positivity uh, in that area of the country. And so we provided a discussion of the impact of uh, an informational blog that really um, covers a number of the articles that have been produced on the shutdown in Navajo Nation and the impact that COVID-19 is having uh, in, in quote unquote Indian country, as it's called. Uh, and so that's uh, something that we've documented in our Native American pieces. So People of Color and COVID-19 uh, is one of our new series, and it's really designed to provide you with the most up-to-date information. Uh, and we do have material in uh, that informational blog from uh, Native publications. So you will also find uh, studies and newspapers from um, Native nations that are actually produced by Native people. So that's also one of the things that we try to, to do where possible is to uh, expose you to some of the news sources that are actually Native sources. So that's particularly uh, useful in that regard. So we've, so we've done, I think, some really good work in that regard. And um, that's, I think, been really, really useful in terms of getting at some of those, uh, some of those important uh, issues. So we've, we've covered a lot of those things and we've done, I think, some really interesting work. Uh, in addition, uh, we also did, uh, in terms of uh, some of the things that are occurring uh, nationally, we did a blog, an informational blog on Kamala Harris, who of course is the vice president elect, first African-American woman uh, first woman of Southeast, uh, uh, South Asian descent uh, to serve as vice president of the United States or vice president-elect. So we're very pleased that we uh, have done several pieces on her. Uh, we've done some podcasts that you might listen to on Kamala Harris and the issue of uh, African-American identity. And then we've also done uh, a piece when she was selected as the vice presidential candidate during the campaign and now we've done another piece on uh, the uh, coverage of uh, Kamala Harris as she uh, ascended to uh, the position of vice president-elect after 
the successful election of uh, Joe Biden as president-elect, and then, of course, subsequently uh, Kamala Harris as vice president-elect. So we did a real nice uh, informational blog there, and you can get a sense of the coverage and some of the things that were occurring. So we did that in chronological order, so you can have a sense of what the, what some of the um, news outlets were saying about her. And then, of course, we also did uh, the piece is divided into several different mm-hmm. um Division. So what we try to do with it is uh, uh, talk about the electoral victory. So that was one section. And then we talked about the impact on the younger generation. And then we talked about the impact on the broader community. Uh, So it's divided into three parts so you can get a sense of how the election impacts the broader community uh, and different communities across generational lines. So that was really, I think, uh, useful and you can again those are hyperlinked so maybe you can get a sense of um, the uh, articles yourself and then you can also look at like we had one article there from the, from the Indian Express um, uh, which is a, a, a South Asian paper and so that's going to give you some mm-hmm. interesting information on on Kamala Harris and, and how the South Asian community looks at her so that's that's uh, just some of the stuff that we've done. And so we've got some interesting material there. So you should look at those informational blogs because they provide a lot of interesting information about uh, a particular topic over the course of uh, time. So that's going to be critically important. Then we did um, another piece on uh, SARS. um, uh, And uh, we had a young woman... uh, Christine uh, um, Okapepa, uh, who's a Nigerian uh, student of um, Igbo descent, uh, she wrote a wonderful blog on uh, the Special Anti-Robbery Squad and the, which is known as the SARS uh, protest. And what she did in her piece, which I thought was really interesting, was to compare the outrage against the, the work of SARS, which is a special um, anti-robbery squad that it's essentially has literally been robbing people uh, uh, on, the, on the highways and byways in Nigeria to uh, the situation that existed in the Biafran War in the 1960s. And so she gives us a wonderful generational overview of those realities as uh, she talks about her parents who were uh, impacted by the war and then forced to leave uh, Nigeria and then some of the tensions between uh, Hausa Fulani and Igbo people, ethnic groups in uh, Nigeria. And then she talks about the current generation and their, so, so her mother's generation and the fight for uh, ethnic and religious tolerance in Nigeria. And then her own generation uh, a contemporary generation fighting for equity and uh, um, appropriate treatment uh, at the hands of the police, and both, of course, in conflict with the Nigerian government. So she did a really wonderful piece. And, and that's really one of the things that we're trying to do here at historianspeaks.org is really give you a humanized perspective on events that are occurring in the news. And so there are so many interesting people who are providing insights and understanding about uh, particular issues. So we want to really hear 
the voices of individuals who are uh, who have some important information to share about these events. And we'll continue to bring you that kind of uh, information because I think it's particularly useful. And her um, approach, I thought, was really quite novel in terms of thinking about uh, this issue generationally because Nigeria is celebrating its 60th, the 60th anniversary of its independence. So that's a really powerful um, project. Um, um, so that so that's a that, that's an interesting uh, piece I think as well. Um, so Mr. A, do you have any other thoughts? Any anything else that you? Uh, um, I think it's been important. Um, yes. Um, I think that um, what we're doing here is basically um. giving you all like uh, we're keeping you up to date like especially with the COVID-19 and everything and we're keeping you up to date with topics um, about black people like we're just keeping you up it's basically black news we're keeping you up to date with things that go on within not just only the black community in America but internationally as well okay um my uh, piece on Daniel Prudy, I thought was really, um, really interesting because um, Daniel Prudy's story was kind of, I would, it was kind of overshadowed by like the George Floyd um, case, but I felt like it was important to, um, to uh, shine a light on his uh, situation because these are some of the things that, you know, um, happen within the Black community as we speak today, and it's still going on now. And um, I felt like some of those things, especially the things that's brought up in his case, especially with him being mentally ill and the police officers who were um, on that call for his case weren't... Um, equipped to deal with him in the way that they should have, you know what I mean? And so I felt that that was important to um, point out with that case. And it's especially important now, especially with um, the defunding the police movement and those types, those sort of things. Okay, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, and so the follow-up to that piece was a piece that we did on uh, police brutality as it relates to um, the the um, the Bell Law and uh, Michael Bell and Jacob Blake. So again, another piece like the Daniel Prudy piece that you wrote about in the Breonna Taylor case. Um, this piece uh, is an opportunity to kind of look at um, what does it mean. So it's kind of a retrospective piece in the sense that it really is asking some questions about why haven't we heard what the final disposition of the case is regarding Jacob Blake, who uh, lost the use of his lower body uh, after being shot in the back seven times. And so we still, uh, apparently the Wisconsin, uh, um, the Wisconsin state police and state authorities are still investigating. Uh, and I think there's, uh, so, so, the, so that is something that, uh, occurred uh, earlier this year during the protest. And now we're at the end of the year and we still haven't heard anything. And so the piece kind of talks about the Michael Bell law, uh, a, um, 
um, a white American who was shot and killed outside of his home in 2014. Uh, in um, I'm sorry, in uh, in um, 2004, actually. And then uh, in 2014, there was a Michael Bell law enacted, which requires that whenever a shooting occurs in Wisconsin, it cannot be investigated by the local police agency that's involved. So there has to be an outside investigator. So this is what's happening in the um, then in the um, Jacob Blake case uh, that uh, an outside agency is investigating, which is the state. And so we're seeing that this has uh, the effect of um, creating objectivity and neutrality, but it also has the effect of delay. And so this piece really is asking some questions about whether or not um, this is the kind of um, thing that actually is helpful, given the fact that uh, this young man was shot early in the year, and yet we still do not have any conclusion regarding what occurred. And then in addition to that, what's filling the space in terms of rather than getting a definitive word, we are in a situation where we are a bit in limbo in terms of actually knowing what the disposition of the case actually is. Uh, so it's, that's very challenging. So we can see here that even though you have these uh, laws on the books, which are designed to create neutrality, we also see that there are real problems there in terms of um, the um, you know, the issue at hand. So Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the one of the challenges in terms of um, uh, one of the issues uh, that we see in terms of thinking through these issues. And I think we're going to be doing another kind of retrospective piece as well coming up very shortly. Uh, around um, police brutality as well and it, its larger uh, implications. So that's going to be, look for that piece. Uh, that should be coming um, in December. Uh, and again, we'll have the opportunity, I think, to begin to uh, look at the, um, in hindsight at least, on in terms of you know what's happened as a result of the protest. Um, what changes have come about in, in policing, uh, in, in laws, in our approach into our thought about uh, how we might deal with these uh, structural uh, inequities in society and what kinds of changes we would want to see. So these are always going to be um, uh, some of the things that we, we're going to be um, really trying to look at and sort of, and sort of think about in more critical ways. So we're looking forward to the kind of work that uh, we can do in terms of really keeping you abreast uh, of the events that are occurring, but also more importantly, to make sure that these issues do not get lost. As people say, lost in the sauce. That right. is to say uh, that uh, ultimately we don't want to see situations where there's been a great deal of clamor and outrage uh, about them and then ultimately for them to kind of disappear because they disappear from the news cycle. We feel that they're not 
uh, important. Um, uh, so that's one of the um, one of the you know important issues in terms of thinking through uh, these these projects. So I think that's one of the things that we have to kind of think about uh, more critically in terms of uh, you know keeping these issues before the public and making sure that because something doesn't, as I said, fall out of the news cycle, that it's it still matters. It's still important, especially if it hasn't been resolved. And we see that in a lot of these instances, these issues have not been resolved. And I think the tendency is to think that once uh, it falls out of the news cycle, then it is resolved, <laughs> but it isn't. Right. So we need to really make sure that uh, we keep those things before you. And so that's really one of the things we also want to do uh, at, um, at um, historianspeaks.org. Um, in addition, uh, we did a piece on uh, HBCUs. We've done a number of pieces. Um, some of our earlier pieces were actually on HBCUs, and that's been a, an ongoing topic here in terms of talking about um, these issues. And of course, as you know, we, we're, uh, we're not um, objective parties when it comes to HBCUs because uh, both both myself and, and Ms. Drake are, are graduates of HBCUs. Yeah. So we, we're a little invested there in that project. But but uh, we did a piece on uh, HBCUs, a recent piece on HBCUs. We've done some pieces mm -hmm. on um, uh, HBCUs uh, as sort of important incubators for leadership. We've done some other pieces. And so our latest piece is on HBCUs and finances. And so it's particularly useful, mm -hmm. I think, in helping us kind of think about why a lot of these uh, schools are so beleaguered, right. especially those in the Deep South, mm -hmm. and the kind of uh, challenges that they have in terms of getting access to money. And we were talking here about bonds and uh, uh, insurance and uh, other kinds of things. And so uh, this is, I think, particularly useful because often there's a lot of rhetoric about these schools and old mismanagement and oh, why don't they have the resources? Why don't they have this, that, and the other? And so I think it's also important to kind of look behind uh, those um, uh, popular kinds of slogans. And that, that's not to say that oh, everyone at the in these schools is uh, you know there's no mismanagement because mismanagement does, does occur. Uh, in all schools, not just in HBCUs. <laughs> so we did, I mean, people are people. I mean, so we can't, uh, you know, we can't make those uh, claims, but we can say that uh, we need to really understand the um, work of um, of uh, finance and how that works at HBCUs and 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 another a number of uh, groups like um, the HBCU Digest, which is run by uh, Jared Carter, who's also a Morgan grad. Uh, um, he's been doing some fantastic work on HBCUs and finances and really kind of charting the trajectory. So I think, you know, there's a lot of interesting work that can be done. So we will be continuing to bring you important information mm -hmm. about HBCUs. Mm -hmm. And as you know, our current vice president is a graduate, uh, Kamala Harris is a graduate of Howard University. So she becomes the first African-American to uh, ascend to the White House, uh, who is a graduate of an HBCU. So that's really a source for tremendous pride for those of us uh, who are HBCU grads, but I think in general, for African-Americans in general, it's a really important milestone. So we're very, very proud of that in terms of the, the projects at hand. Um, and then this week we did 
uh, a piece on uh, Conti Cullen and the Harlem Renaissance, Yet Do I Marvel, uh, and then uh, a informational blog on George, the great Black scientist, George Washington Carver. So Carver is, of course, a very uh, important individual in that regard. Mm -hmm. So, um, Yeah, so that's uh, one of the interesting pieces that we are doing as well. So I think um, uh, the, the Harlem Renaissance piece and then, of course, the George Washington Carver piece. So we will continue to bring you some informational blogs uh, and then and in the run-up to Black History Month, which is next uh, February, we will be doing some additional work uh, on uh, various uh, figures and uh, important personalities in African-American uh, history. So we will do a lot of work there as well in terms of putting some things together. So um, I think that'll be uh, interesting in a lot of ways as well. Um, any other any other thoughts uh, about, about the blog and the work that we're doing? Um, I also want to remind you that the podcast is here. We've done about 10 to 12 episodes and you should um, listen to, to the podcast and, uh, and of course, let us know, give us some feedback about the podcast. You can do that on any of our um, websites. Uh, you can connect with us on Facebook, got a Facebook page, Instagram page, uh, and Twitter. And then also you can uh, go on to the website at historianspeaks.org and leave comments about the, any of the blogs and about the podcast so please feel free to send us some information about what matters when you go onto the site you'll see a little letter form and then you can just click on that uh, and then you will see be able to uh, respond uh, and send us comments about about the work so you don't even have to go to, to the sections you just have to uh, go ahead and get um, uh, the work you know, the work at hand and see uh what needs to be to be to be done? So I think that's um, going to be important. I think in terms of you know, getting at some of these uh, issues. Okay. Uh, any any concluding thoughts, Ms. Drake? Any concluding thoughts about the work we're trying to do here at um, HistorianSpeaks.org? Um, I think the work that we're doing is um, really great work, especially um, for um, black, the Black community as a whole. Um, and basically to re reiterate what um, Dr. Hall said, um, you know, tell us, um, listen to our blogs. Um, I mean, listen to our podcast, um, read our blogs and just tell us, you know, give us feedback. Tell us what you would like to see, what you would like to hear, those sort of things. And support, support, support. Okay, very good. Right, right. We definitely need to 
uh, support the work. We definitely want to um, uh, think about the projects at hand. Uh, we definitely want to uh, give people the opportunity to have a forum whereby they can engage uh, the material at hand. And so that's going to be, I think, an important uh, part of what we're trying to do uh, in this uh, work. So uh, we're really excited about um, the work that we're trying to do and uh, where where the project is going. So we're really excited about that. So I'm looking forward to um, continuing to work with, uh, with uh, the staff and of course working with uh, Ms. Drake. We're gonna be bringing you these weekly podcasts and other interviews with a number of exciting guests to talk about the issues that confront uh, confront us in contemporary African-American life. Uh, and so with that, we're going to sign off to this episode on just an overview of the events uh, that have occurred in this past month and some of the work that we're trying to do here at historianspeaks.org. I invite you again to continue to support our work. You can do that in one of three ways. Uh, one, you can visit the website. Visit the website often and early. Tell your friends and colleagues and neighbors about the work that we're doing here. Um, sign up for our email list. That's the second way that you can support us. Sign up for our email list and our weekly um, weekly updates. We send a weekly update and we send some other updates about the work we're trying to do. So be sure to take a look at those uh, updates. You can go onto the site and comment on any aspect of the blog. So uh, please feel free to do that. Uh, and then in addition to this, that the final and perhaps most important thing we want you to do is to go ahead and make sure that you uh, are actively involved in um, uh, donating and supporting the work that we're trying to do. So please do all of those things and support our work. And of course, again, if you have any questions, you can go onto the website and you can leave information uh, if you're interested in contributing to the website, we're always looking for contributors, people who are going to, to write uh, and have interesting things to say, to appear on the podcast. We're always looking for you. Uh, so please feel free to write us and let us know that you're interested and we will be in contact with you. Okay, so this again brings another uh, close to another exciting episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for engaging. Uh, Historianspeaks.org, we need you. We appreciate you. Thank you and have a 